0: Undeceptions podcast. Small wonders with Laurel Moffat. I went away to write this episode because I was too distracted, mainly by home repairs. It rained, you see, through February and March of this year in Sydney, weeks of it. As a result, an old leak in our roof returned and grew, and then one day my bedroom ceiling got so tired of all the water it collapsed in a heap on the floor. For almost six weeks, there was a hole in my bedroom ceiling the size of a kiddie pool, which became a kind of indoor water feature whenever it rained, and it rained a lot. This is actually not as great as it sounds. The repairs took a while, as most big repairs do, and during that time, it was hard to focus on anything other than practical concerns in my immediate vicinity. The rain and the ceiling, buckets and tarps. Some things grab our attention because it's necessary to attend to them. Such is the case with my ceiling and my indoor water feature. It may be easy to focus in such moments. But when we wish to harness our attention and direct it somewhere, particularly somewhere other than more insistent matters, be they roofs or technology or to-do lists, we may find that our attention's already bolted through the door before we can even slip the bridle on. Why is attention or focus so hard to come by sometimes? There are those who research and write about attention. They pay attention to attention. And they have found that we are currently in something of an attention drought. One such writer is Jonathan Hari. His book, Stolen Focus, was published in the early months of 2022. Hari identifies 12 causes for our loss of attention, which includes things you'd expect, like smartphones and social media use, ...as well as things you might not expect, like pollution, the quality of our sleep at night, and chemicals in our food. One of the ideas in the book I found most intriguing comes at the very end, in a conversation with James Williams... ...a former Google strategist who has spent years studying focus, or attention. Williams finds that attention has three layers. The first is the spotlight... This is the layer of attention that engages in immediate actions. It's a narrow focus. Find your socks, get a glass of water, take the clothes out of the washing machine, that kind of thing. The second layer is what he calls starlight. This is the layer of attention that we give to longer-term goals. Getting that degree, writing a book, applying for a job. When a person feels lost in the midst of day-to-day matters, these are the longer-term goals that a person looks to in order to remember what they're working towards and where they're hoping to go. The third layer of attention is what he calls daylight. This is the one I find most intriguing because when I first read the explanation, I didn't think it sounded like focus or attention at all. But in Williams' estimation, it may even be the most important layer of attention. This is the form of attention or focus that enables a person to know what their long-term goals are in the first place and why they have them. Daylight is what is needed to see all of our surroundings and ourselves and know our place in the world. He says that if you lose your daylight, in many ways, you may not even be able to figure out who you are, what you wanted to do, or where you want to go. In his estimation, it is the deepest form of distraction. The danger of losing your daylight, according to Williams, and I'm quoting here, you may even begin decohering. This is when you stop making sense to yourself because you don't have the mental space to create a story about who you are. You become obsessed with petty goals or dependent on simplistic signals from the outside world, like retweets. You lose yourself in a cascade of distractions. Or as T.S. Eliot puts it in *Burnt Norton, the first of the four quartets, Distracted from distraction by distraction. This sounds a lot like contemporary life sometimes, with its endless stream of content of minimal content, which makes me wonder, have we lost our daylight? <laughs> It's a massive understatement to say that the sun's light is important. We couldn't live without it. No sun, no life. Which means that when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, he's making a huge claim that demands serious attention. In a way, to use the description of attention that William sets out, he's claiming daylight status The light that gives life and context to everything, without which, everything is meaningless. This is not a shy, retiring claim. It's everything. But when my ceiling fell in, I didn't really have these kinds of thoughts. My thoughts were all about how fast I could get that hole fixed. Nothing else really held my attention. With one exception a memory of an event a few months prior. A few months ago, my family and I were traveling through New Mexico, in part so that I could show them the art of Georgia O'Keeffe. I fell in love with the work of Georgia O'Keeffe when I was somewhere in my mid-teens. It would have been a few years after she died, but when I saw her paintings, I felt like I had discovered her, which is a ridiculous notion, of course, but I was young, and that's how I felt. My husband finds my unwaning affection for her work somewhat perplexing at times. What do you love about her? He sometimes asks me. Usually when we are planning a trip to see my family in America, and I keep finding ways to get there through Santa Fe. Over time, I've come to realize that what I'm drawn to in her work is that regardless of whether her subject is a flower petal or a mountain or clouds or a dooryard, There is something of her that runs through every one of them, and it's this, her attention, her focus. Her paintings enable the viewer to peer closely at the world as if from behind her eyes, from her perspective, which makes you realize that in order to do such a thing, she must have looked at her subjects very closely for a very long time with sustained attention. I had three days of Georgia okeeffe planned. In a way, she was both spotlight and starlight, both an immediate focus and a longer-term goal I had to introduce my kids to her work and go with them to her museum and walk through the landscapes she had painted. It was a great plan that completely fell apart. Instead of my art tour, there was a freak snowstorm, citywide power outages, and some of us became very sick with something like food poisoning. Instead of days in museums and on walks, there were days of sickness and recovery. The thing I wanted to focus on was out of my reach, or so I thought. I rallied on the afternoon of our last day there With the light fading, my husband drove me to Abiquiu, where Georgia O'Keeffe had lived. It was a race against the dark. We found her village. It was so different to how I'd imagined it. I'd seen countless pictures of her home and studio, but never ones that placed her home in its context. The village of Abiquiu. How close it stood to the bar that closed down over 15 years ago. The village church the community library, the standard 1950s-era post office, the dirt tracks and roads winding through and around the village. As the afternoon began to slip into dusk, I stood in Abiquiu, just outside her property, and I saw the mountain that she had painted again and again. I saw the doorway that held a patch of world that had caught her attention so many times. I did not get to see her representations of these things. I saw the things themselves by the fading light of day. I left Abiquiu feeling like I'd gained something, whereas the ceiling falling in only felt like a loss. Perhaps it was because I was on holiday in New Mexico and the ceiling crashed straight down into my everyday, workaday life. But I couldn't help wonder if there was something more. Had I forgotten my daylight? Right after Jesus claims daylight status, he says that anyone who follows him will no longer be in the dark, but will have the light of life. That they'll swim in light. The hole in my ceiling became for a time both my spotlight and starlight. Immediate goals became fix the roof and longer term goals became fix the roof. Am I daylight? Where was that? And then I remembered. When the roofer came to inspect the ceiling shortly after it fell, he stepped over chunks of plaster, climbed a ladder and peered up into the hole as the water dripped down. Hey, he said. Would you look at that? He craned his neck and seemed to look further in. You can see daylight. It was there all along, shining through the hole in the roof. I just had to have the eyes to see it. perceptions podcast